Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 366 days per year. I am Anthony. I'm Julia. And I'm your guest host for the night, Tom. <laughs> Tom's back. Sometimes it does feel, sometimes there are stretches where it does feel like you're a guest host, you've been gone so long. It, it does, but fortunately... Things are good now. I'm back. How have you been, Tom? I am great. Do you care to elaborate? You know, things are going well. I, uh, yeah, family's good. Everything's good. Yeah. No, I don't really feel like elaborating. <laughs> well, that's exciting, Julia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm good. Actually, I'm great because Marty and I leave for vacation in just a few days. So I'm, I'm super excited about that. Yeah. Like I have no complaints feeling better so far the kids are all healthy which is great <clears throat> so i'm good what about you anthony what's going on the day another dollar your day another dollar so i was sad to miss y'all last week because i know y'all both really loved last week's movie right mm-hmm. the holdovers I, I have not had a chance to listen to the episode uh, so I'm looking forward to that, but I have to say it was an okay movie. But I, I think it got too hyped up for me, y'all. It lived up to all the oh, hype wow. for me. <laughs> listen to the episode and see if we change your mind at all. I'm hoping that's a super cool video. idea for a podcast, by the way. Changing minds. It is. That's a nice seg. I am doing a spinoff podcast with Mr. Jay Skipworth of Filmstrip Podcast uh called change my movie mind where we will debate movies he likes and movies i like that he doesn't and try to change each other's minds we've seen this happen a lot on our podcast right where we come in with some preconceived notion and then we end up changing it at some point during the recording i'm excited Look, Tom. I am happy at any point to come on and tell you just how wrong your opinion is, Anthony. Well, we are always going to have a third person to be the judge, ultimate judge and arbiter and moderator to make sure oh. the debates are clean. And we have, well, awesome. we, ha- we have said we want both of you on at some point for that role. Happy to. Well, I will just ping Jay and let him know that whatever his opinion is will win. That seems fair. <laughs> Tom, have you watched, I know you're a Seth MacFarlane fan, have you watched the TED series on Peacock? So I saw the first episode. I found the TED movie to, it was too sophomoric and crass. Mm -hmm. Just didn't love it. 
the first episode was what the movie should have been. Yeah, there's heart there. It's like a 90s sitcom, just with the there's language. And, and I'm really? surprised. Yeah. It's so much better than the movie. And the actor in there just blows Mark Wahlberg away. They have... Uh, and I think our friend Vince and the Tis Podcast group commented they have a fantastic Christmas episode and Halloween episode. And yes. the Halloween one Tedris is, is the whole a, season out. It's, se- it's seven episodes, yeah, or eight episodes. Oh, nice. Okay. But Ted dresses as an Ewok for Halloween, <laughs> and people keep mistaking him for like Lawrence of Arabia. <laughs> 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 That's interesting. I don't like Seth MacFarlane, but you said a few words here that that weigh very heavily as a positive in my mind. You would you say an early nineties early nineties sitcom with heart? Yeah, it takes place in the early nineties. Yeah. Yeah, I like all this. Of, there's lots of cussing. There's no denying that. But that's fine. There's there's heart. <laughs> so I'm really I'm really impressed with what they've with what it's it looks like it's going to be. <laughs> And I know that eventually Julia will be forced to watch a Christmas episode because you know I'm getting it on our list. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, me and Sarah blew through the seven episodes and I haven't seen Sarah laugh out loud so consistently in a long time. <laughs> okay. But but she, say, she says yeah. half of it is like, it's funny, but then you add in the fact it's just a talking teddy bear <laughs> saying all this stuff that like just pushes it over <laughs> the edge and makes it absurdly funny. <laughs> you know what sold me on watching it? It was that commercial where uh, the guy and Ted end up in the principal's office or whatever. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to have to call your parents. And he's like, oh, please don't call my parents, blah, blah, blah. And Ted's like, uh, you can't call my parents on account of, of I don't ha- or I, I don't have any parents on account of I'm a, tw- a teddy bear that came to life or something. <laughs> <laughs> and I just totally butchered that. Absolutely awfully. Awfully. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! You see any good movies this week, Anthony? Or since the last time we spoke? I saw two. I saw ISS, which is good. Mm-hmm. I saw Founders Day, which is so bad it was good. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up? So I have tickets the next two Mondays for AMC Scream Unseen. Which is essentially an upcoming horror movie that's a few weeks away from release. They're showing early, but they don't tell you what it is until you're actually sitting in the theater. So taking a few chances on the next two. That's cool. Yeah, these next two just happen to be horror movies, but it's usually um, AMC Screen Unseen. And right now it's AMC Scream Unseen, and it's a movie that's coming out in a few weeks that they won't tell you what it is, and you're sitting. That's there. so cool. I love that's like a grab bag movie grab bag. Yeah, and normally, I mean, I have the Stubbs A-list thing, so I get the tickets, you know, part of that. But mm-hmm. normally, if you want to go and you don't have that, they only charge like $5 for it because, you know, it is an unknown movie. So and that's kind of cool. They'll, that's super they'll, cool. They'll just tell you the rating usually. So one is rated PG-13, I'm seeing, and one is rated R. Both horror movies. Oh my so. gosh. And you have no idea. Like you knowing what movies are coming out soon. I would think I the no PG idea. 13 one is probably going to be Lisa Frankenstein. Lisa Frankenstein. Yeah. Like Lisa Frank or Frankenstein's a girl or Frankenstein's monster's a girl. No, it's that she creates her own boyfriend. Okay, that sounds cute. That stars uh, Ant Man's daughter. 
Catherine okay. Love Catherine Newton. Newton. Yep. And uh, the guy from Sweet Life, one of the twins, is a monster. Okay. Oh, wow. And Carla Gugino's in it? I love mm-hmm. her. She can cast. do too. The cast does look, look really solid. Is it a comedy? It looks like a horror comedy, yeah. Nice. If you watch the trailer, it looks like horror comedy. And the other one, the rated R one, I would think is either Out of Darkness or Imaginary. Out of Darkness is like a movie set during the prehistoric like caveman era like total oh that looks scary there. yeah yep and uh imaginary is the blumhouse i don't know if you've seen that one with the no with the teddy with the teddy bear with this teddy bear. i don't want to be Speaking friends with you anymore chauncey oh my gosh which one would you prefer it was either or i'm i mean i'm good with any of them okay yeah. Oh, I'm so excited to hear what's going to be. You said that's two Mondays from now? No, it's next Monday and then the Monday after. So the next two Mondays. Sweet. Diablo Cody wrote Lisa Frankenstein? Yes. Yes. What? That. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's, that's what it says. Her first stab <laughs> at a horror film? Okay. I would re- I would definitely recommend um, watching the trailer later after we record. Because it does look good. Okay. I did also watch the new Amazon movie Roleplay over the weekend with Katie Cuoco and David Awoli. Awoli. I forget. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Which is fun. I mean, something, you know, you've seen a million action comedies. You know, wife is a spy or assassin and husband had no idea. But it was, it was a good, you know, 90 minutes. Can't complain. Did you, did you watch Saltburn? I did watch Saltburn. Did you see Saltburn? I started it and I'm not loving it. A lot of people love it and I it's just not for me. I mean, that bathtub okay. scene is... Oof. I think I'm in the same boat as you, Anthony. I, I stopped it. Like, I could tell it's a... I could tell it's a well-made movie, but it's just mm-hmm. not for me. It's just not for me. Christine has COVID right now, so I'm trying to find stuff to watch without her. Hence why I started mm-hmm. 10 and didn't finish, because I thought she would like it enjoy it yeah but i've been watching trash tv i've been watching reacher i heard reacher is actually pretty entertaining i never watched it though so there was a movie done with tom cruise of jack reacher and oh i am very aware and i i just yeah i know fans (laughs) of the book say it was totally miscast because uh i've read i read be huge and I read one Reacher book and it was an absolute miss. Just everything about Tom Cruise is wrong. The Amazon Prime show, if you want some like action, mindless, just watch something, it's really good. I like a mindless show here and then. Me and Sarah did start, there's only two episodes in so far, the new season of True Detective with Joey Foster. That's been really good so far. Ooh, I was about that. looks really good. Yeah. I mean, Jodie Foster. With who? Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster. I'm not familiar. Oh, bull crap. <laughs> um, like set in Alaska, right? Or somewhere north and cold. Oh, yeah. It's called True Detective Night Country. So it's like Alaska. But so it's like all this dark and snowy. Yes. very atmospheric. And actually. Like, yeah, if I have to pick a thriller that really scares me, it's one that's set in cold climates. And actually. Cold season isolated climates. Kind right? of yeah, ties into it. season one, which is the best season of True Detective. It's the only oh, one I watched. It's so good. It's the only one worth watching up till now. I think they're all worth watching. But it is the far by far the best. 
Fiona Shaw is also in it, and Petunia. But she's in a lot of HBO stuff, actually. So, okay. She's a good actress. She's in that new movie coming out, If, as well. And that movie looks great. What's that? Imaginary Friend, starring Ryan Reynolds. Oh, yes. I've seen lead-ins for that. It looks great. Yeah. Steve Carell, right? <clears throat> yeah, if you look at the whole list of people doing voices for the Imaginary Friends, it's like, almost like every A-lister in Hollywood is doing it. Hey, that's good. But I think, yeah, Steve Carell's the main if. Yep. So, lots of good movies coming up. But that's not our topic for tonight. Tonight, we are covering another 2023 new Christmas movie. This one entitled Journey to Bethlehem. It came out in November. It was released on November 10th, synopsis this live action christmas musical celebration for the entire family weaves classic christmas melodies into new pop songs and a music infused retelling of the story of mary and joseph and the birth of jesus um so this is directed by adam anders who was the music producer on glee so he has some music cred to his name he's written by him as well you know what he doesn't have to his name Theological theologian. Any, theo- any theological framework. This is, movie was written by him and Peter Barsokini, who oh, did he's the high a, school musical series. He's a theologian, right? Oh, it's going to be spicy tonight, folks. He did, he did, he did the <laughs> high school musical series. I don't really uh, remember that. I don't really remember that having a theological twist either. Or ben. <laughs> okay. <laughs> This may be answering this may be answering some of my questions about the film. <laughs> this movie stars Fiona Palomo as Mary. She's a Spanish actress. She was in some episodes of Outer Banks on Netflix, but otherwise it's all um Spanishes. Um she's relatively new to the Hollywood scene. So they decided not they decided not to go near Eastern for their casting. Okay, that's interesting. Okay. Milo Mannheim plays Joseph. Disney fans will know him. He's a lead in the movie Zombies and Zombies 2 and Zombies 3. And he also finished second place on season 27 of Dancing with the Stars. Oh, wow. That's impressive that his career has already gotten into the Dancing of the Stars stage. Oh, he was just in Thanksgiving in 2023 as well, which we will be covering this Thanksgiving. That's the one you saw, right? The um, what property? Uh, who did that? It was Eli Roth. Big horror name Eli Roth. That's oh, I, yeah, cool. So we're playing. Dude is playing the betrothed to the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, and the man who helps to rear Christ, Joseph, while also starring in a horror I, film. I don't like that terminology. I've Which never one? liked that term, rearing. Rearing? It's proper. You raise cattle, right you rear use. children. 
It's uh, true that I understand that, but that was still don't drilled like into it. me <laughs> really quick to go back, go back to Ted really quick. Cause that just brought it up. The Christmas episode, Ted makes a tender and mild joke. And I immediately thought of you. No way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> him, him and the Mark Wahlberg character, like, I don't know. I don't know. What do they mean by mild? And Ted's like, I don't know, but I'm focused on tender. I think they're going to eat this baby Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh just fyi i did go look at the german and that is not what the german says did i ever tell you all that no it's about his the curly german. locks of hair silent night was originally written in german by you know okay yeah shut the front door the guy that plays herod's son is rebecca yes. st james's younger brother and i listened to her when i was growing up in my ccm phase She's a Christian singer. But he's yeah. he's one of the king and country. Yeah, he's yes. from King and Country. Joel Smallbone. I didn't know that. Joel Smallbone plays Antipater. Antipater, however you pronounce his name, Tom. Mm -hmm. Antipater. There you go. Antipater. Anti. <laughs> no, I like Antipater. Okay. <laughs> like he's anti hair. <laughs> uh yes uh lacry plays angel gabriel he's a rapper LaCry. Singer, song, whatever uh don't come for lacry i love LaCry. i'm gonna get a lot of names mispronounced tonight whatever sorry in advance at me on twitter <laughs> if you really give a crap uh but yeah he plays angel gabriel uh, playing King Herod in the most campiest fashion is Mr. Antonio Banderas, who I don't, I feel like we've talked about him, but I don't think we've ever covered him. Did we ever do like a, was he in the Shrek Christmas? He was. He was, so we did cover him. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mr. Puss in Boots himself. That's right. We have covered Gaspar Rizwan Manchi. He was in Schitt's Creek. <laughs> Gino Seggers plays Balthazar. Um, he was in Teen Wolf. Insert joke about oh oh somebody in a werewolf show is playing one of the kings here. Um, he has he, a wonderful voice. And then we have Omid Dijali as Melchior, and this guy is a gladiator. Is a stand up comedian. Notting Hill, the Mummy. The Nutcracker of the Four Realms, so we did cover him at some point. Anyway, uh, Joachim is played by Antonio Cantos. Deborah is played by Mariah Peters. Rebecca is played by Stephanie Gill. And those are the only people on Wikipedia. Cool. So, Tom, I know we're all dying to hear, because it's a complete mystery. So I know the, mm. I know the listeners right now are on pins and needles what's your history with this film and what are your you know just overall first impressions thoughts on this film well i know i can be hard to read at times uh so i was really excited about this movie coming out um we took ellie christy and i took ellie and we bought tickets and took her parents as well for all of us to go see this movie so we went and saw it in the theater made a big you know made a big deal it was the first time i think our whole extended family had been to the movies. My mother-in-law doesn't really do the movies. And um, 
I'm, I'm gonna in, I'm gonna have to insert the tiny violin playing over this monologue when we're no I was looking forward to it I thought it was gonna be good and um I had so many issues with this movie that I will be more than happy to expound upon as we dive in oh I have no doubt I like, have no of doubt every of every fly on the wall moment I think watching you watch this movie might have been at the top of my list. This is one where if you couldn't make tonight, we would have had to have postponed for you to be here. A hundred percent. Your face during this movie, I cannot even fathom. Did Christine well, like it? Did Ellie uh, like it? Ellie was kind of ambivalent. Christine thought it was okay. She didn't have problems with it. But when we left, she's like, I don't need to hear it. I know you don't <laughs> like it. <laughs> So I said, fine, you know what? There are people who listen to our podcast who will listen to it. More than, more than... I was about to say, can we just blanket that tonight? Don't need to hear it. We know. We know this is historically inaccurate. <laughs> just the historical inaccuracy at some of the choices about characters and the the farce that they turned the, the birth of my Lord and God and Savior Jesus Christ into. I'll piggyback off that. I was going to let you go first, Julia. But I'm going to piggyback off that because I actually liked that this movie didn't take it too seriously. I think people have a tendency with history books in general, history in general, uh, whether presidents, dictators, the Bible, to over-serious these people where they're all people. Every person on this planet, I don't care if you're Vladimir Putin, Jesus Christ, Martin Luther King, whoever, you're a person, you're a well-rounded person, you have hopes, dreams, you have a sense of humor. And I like that they put that into Mary and Joseph here. And that was my favorite part of this movie is that they didn't take themselves too seriously. I know a lot of people who don't have a sense of humor, man. Yeah, I really I really enjoyed it. I went in with very low expectations. Um, I didn't know any of the people behind it, like the that they did Glee or, you know, high school musical or any of the you know, hit stuff. I just assumed mm -hmm. a small Christian movie. 99% of these suck um, mm -hmm. and don't have any budget behind it. But I actually liked the cast. I liked the story and I liked the music. And uh, yeah, huh. and we'll get into more of the choices I did like because I'm sure that the choices you did not like as we go around. So Julia, your Anthony, thoughts. what I will say is you have an opinion. Um, what I will say is I don't need to hear it. I know you didn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so I had not heard of this i think until anthony went and saw it and mentioned it and i looked it up and i was like antonio banderas that's interesting um and that was my only impression before watching it today um i probably fall in between the both of y'all um where i will agree with both of you at some point or another i wish i had money on this this is exactly how I thought it was going to go. It's going to be like, Tom hates it. I loved it. Julia's going to be in between. Yeah. So I fully agree with parts of it. Parts of it feel like there's not enough gravitas for the topic, for the subject matter. And that bothered me in parts of it, right? Like Herod's whole performance really hated all of that. Um, however, it has things in it that I 
I want more of in the text of the Bible that I didn't get. So the relationship between Mary and Joseph, I loved seeing that. And I loved seeing the families coming together and the complexity of that. Um, There were other choices I didn't like and other choices that I thought were an acceptable liberty to take with the subject matter. But it was hard to get past some of the liberties they took. Um, just because the story is so familiar, right? If you come from a Christian household, like the story is familiar. So I found myself a few times going, I don't think that was in the Bible, but also like there's the liberty element. Uh, the movie's gorgeous for one, well done on making a beautiful movie. I felt um, Nativity Story was also beautiful that we covered. And that means a lot to me that this story is represented beautifully. Um, and I liked some of the music a whole lot. Um, and some of it was unforgettable. It was a little forgettable, but I mean, most musicals are like that. Yeah. Like not terrible, not the best thing I've ever seen. It impressed me in moments and other ones. I was kind of like, Oh, really hate that. <laughs> like the Magi. I love the Magi. Oh, sorry, not sorry. Yeah, that was, so here's, this is also a personal thing. Um, I really, really want to see a representation of the Magi in film that's as magical as I read them. Because when I read the story, I'm like, these guys must have been like wild, like legit wild guys, right? Following a flipping star in the sky. Like they had to have been completely kooky, but this kind of kooky wasn't right for me. I need more like mystical kooky, which they were pretty mystical in Nativity Story. And I liked that, but it's just not, I don't know. When you come, when you come into a story like this, it's so familiar to so many people from many different grades, right? When we talk about the star, right? So like preschool aged familiar, but also up to scholars that read the text and they dig deeply into it. Like you're gonna marginalize your viewing group like immediately, right? You're just going to have to I, I, I think any that... movie like this, to your point, Julia, yeah, you are going to have to marginalize the people who are really familiar and study with it to appeal to a more mainstream audience who aren't. Yeah. So right. I think that's very fair. But you nailed it. I'm right between. All right. So let's dive right in. So right off the bat, we get a title card that said, Inspired by a True Story. The greatest story ever told. And we get some opening narration from a woman who we later find out is actually Mary talking. And she says, you know, she says how Mary didn't know she was chosen by God to bring forth the promised king to save the world. And for many years, three magi were searching for a star signaling their arrival of the child. And we meet our wise men, Balthazar, who can read the stars. Gaspar, who can, who is the greatest scholar in all the lands, and Melchior, who is the map man. Likes to eat. And he likes to eat. He loves to eat, this version. Each one of them are morons. They are morons, which I figured that was, like, having seen the trailer before I saw this, and saw it was the, um, the one Shit's Indian Creek. guy who's on Shit's <laughs> Creek, and he was an outsource and all these, like, kooky comedies. I was like, okay, they're going... For a different characterization of the wise okay. men. I'm going to start. 
with the problem with with the problem. <laughs> they make jokes about the gifts that they're bringing to Christ. Not yet, right? but yes. Okay, I'll wait till we get to that. Never mind. Let's no, go. no, you can do it now. I mean, it's gonna nope, come up nope. multiple times. I'll wait. It's gonna come up multiple times. You no, can... I won't wait. Okay, so they make jokes about the gifts, right? The gifts have such a prophetic element in the nativity story. They're there for a, a purpose. Gold. Yeah, they're not just giving gold for any reason. They're giving gold because they interpret this coming, this child as a king. You give gold as a gift of a king, right? They mm -hmm. bring the incense. Incense has a very strong connection to God, prayer, and worship. Not just in the Old Testament, but throughout the ancient Near East. There's an entire part of the temple that's built um, that's specifically for the burning of the incense, right? Because they see this person as a god. And they bring myrrh, not because it smells good or whatever dumb reason they gave in this, but myrrh was an oil, uh, an oil used to anoint the dead body. They were pronouncing Christ's purpose in his birth for his death. These are really important things. Not only did we not get the sense of that or understand why those things were there, but we kind of made a mockery of it. And I thought that was, that was, uh, that irked me. You would have been a blast in some of my film studies classes. I take it, man. <laughs> <laughs> I get it though. I get it. I do. They reference that myrrh, it does everything else. That's what they keep saying. It just, it, it does everything else. Right. Yes. And I was like, it, oh, but it's, it is so much more powerful when one of the Kings brings embalming oil. You're like, good heavens. Wow. Okay. But that's, that was like the, one of the first moments, even though that happened after the first moment that I was like, there's some, there's a real lack of gravitas to this movie. Yeah. And that was one of the ones that got me too, but. We'll talk, I'll come back to that exact statement later, Julia, because I feel they yeah. hit the gravitas where it mattered, which was the actual okay. birth itself and okay. the reactions to the birth. But we'll come back to that. Um, so we meet our magi, and they realize the star has arrived over Judah, and they set off to find the young mother, wondering what great queen was chosen for the honor of giving birth to the Son of God. Now, then we get our title card, and, you know, it's like an animation of the kings traveling over a map, making their way to Judah with a star in the air, as O Come, O Come, Emmanuel plays. And I like... I like the I like things of maps and movies like this. So I like yeah. the beautiful opening. song, beautiful, beautiful mm -hmm. song. Yep. And then we meet Mary and her parents right after these opening mm -hmm. credits. And Mary has been betrothed by her parents, and she wants to know why she's being forced to marry someone who she's never met, when every other girl she knows gets to gets to help in choosing their husband. Mm -hmm. She wants to be a teacher like her father. She studied scripture as me. And her parents and sister securing her future by setting her up with this man who just moved there from Bethlehem. And her father insists that because she's a girl, she'll be a wife, not a teacher, as mm -hmm. tradition demands. And Mary's not happy about it. And yeah. What? So first question Mary, here. next problem. <laughs> During the Annunciation, the way that we are we see Mary portrayed from the Archangel Gabriel and her response to the call is um, not this angry, rebellious, 
I'm going to go do my own thing. Her whole response to the call that she would be showed her, her character as somebody who is more meek and humble. Well, she uh, is. So this, she didn't get the call yet. No, but as a person, like she was chosen because, you know, she was chosen as a special, as of everybody who existed up until this time, she is the one who was chosen to give birth. Um, I loved this characterization of Mary. I think the movie falls apart, fall like lives or dies on her shoulders. And I think this Fiona Palma, Palamo did a wonderful job. And I liked the characterization where she is a little feisty. It's also it's also imposing a lot of postmodern ideals of for women into first century Judea. Palestine. Yeah, and that's why I liked they modernized the story that a lot of people judging by attendance in church are not judging by just by attendance in church and other religious services are not resonating as much with anymore. I like the modernization. I liked her being feisty a little more, not liberal, but just more like I have my own hopes and dreams, not just to be a housewife. And then I like when she gets the call in a bit, which we'll talk about that. She does accept it and does get humbled a bit and take that on. So I'm curious as the only woman on the podcast here, uh, what Julia's thoughts are on the characterization of Mary. Yeah, I didn't mind this one. Um, and we don't really know Mary's inner thoughts before the angel did come. Um, but I didn't mind this. Did we not? Not to this level. No, the text does not get this granular into when she was younger. And did she have troubles with is this our only is this our only text we have from the early church to give us insight into Mary? Is this the Bible the only text we have? The only text I've read. The Proto-Evangelum of James was uh, an early church document that was considered scripture by many, but was not ultimately included. Um, And it tells the whole life of Mary. But that would assume that any writer, whether religious or not, is going to like dig into all those texts. Not even historians do that for biopics about World War II and Hitler and Lincoln. We do. We, we do. We look at Hitler's youth. Like we, we do, but history. like we don't dig into like every single text about him. They always take the most well-known stuff. No, but by consulting with somebody with theological background, this would be a fairly common work. It's not, like it's not, it. it's not, it's not, an, it's not an obscure reference. I liked yeah. her. She was in. Yeah, I don't know. Me. Just speaking as a woman, as a woman, I know that we haven't always been accurately depicted in historical texts across the gambit because, I mean. I we mean, you're saying saying that there weren't thousands of witches during the Middle Ages. <laughs> Is that what I didn't mind me? this. I didn't mind this at all. Um, This actually goes to the bigger part of the stuff I mentioned earlier that is not expressed in movies like this typically um, that I valued, which was a little exposition on Mary and Joseph's early relationship, how they struggled with some of the things that happened to them and how they dealt with it and how they grew in the process. So I didn't mind any of these liberties. Hmm. So on past films and movies and tv specials we covered before about the nativity uh mary and or joseph always has a donkey and it's no different in this one uh this is not nestor the long-eared donkey his name is fig and he's like a little puppy dog to her he loves her he always finds her and um you know after her 
argument Next point. With, hold on, hold on. <laughs> After her argument with her family, she'll be coming goes, for Fig. She goes to him and hugs him and for you know, she talks to him. It's not fair what's happening with her. She wants more and like it's very Belle and Beauty and the Beast yeah, is open with her. Very much. Next point. Fig was cute. Fig he was adorable. Cute. That's adorable. I, love that. I just feel like we. I feel like we. I feel like we need to give Fig his credit here as being a, a sweet, cute. <laughs> so, so you're, so you're an ass man. <laughs> That's what my license plate says. <laughs> um, but did anyone else get those fives? Especially when we get into this opening number in a second. Very Bell Beauty and the Beast about wanting something more in life. Absolutely. That's I got complete more, Bell vibes. Great. More. Call. Re- more rebellious because Belle's dad was more encouraging of her. Yes, here, true. here Mary's just not honoring her father and mother. Yeah. So she's, she's breaking one of the Ten Commandments, which is not something I would expect to do. The the person God chooses to birth his son. The father chooses to birth his son. That's not like a trait I would put in her column. So Mary's sisters accompany her to town to find fabric for her betrothal gown um and mary's like i want to marry for love not duty and her sisters try to cheer her up and this leads us into wait 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 anthony just said duty yeah i knew a duty joke was good (laughs) (laughs) but this leads me to my favorite musical number of the movie which is mary's getting married i thought this number was so this is your favorite my favorite when you listen to the lyrics it's actually really funny yeah Um, you know it's very you know your typical cheer up tons of good things about being married and she's singing counterpoints you know like mm-hmm. uh she'll be feel trapped and bored she'll be forced to keep house and just push out babies and do chores and you know her sisters are like but your husband may be great and mary's like but he may not be <laughs> and even if he's not she'll be forced to marry him mm-hmm. so you did not like this song julia oh i didn't mind the song at all oh. it just wasn't my favorite Okay. It was fine. It was great. Tom, it was pretty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think all the performers are excellent. Like everybody's voice is on point. Except so Antonio Ma- Banderas. <laughs> so Mary, who does she bump up to at the market, Julia? Uh she she bumps into a cute boy who she is like absolutely not expressing any interest in, but he's a little flirty McFlirt. It's and a very meat cute moment. This is your meat cute. It moment. is a meat cute. Yes, it is. A and an oddly young man. <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> real quick, real quick. In my notes, in my notes, I'm talking about how I like the relational stuff between Mary and Joseph. There's chemistry between these two actors, and then in parentheses, though Joe is too young, right, Tom? Question mark. And and Mary's too young, <laughs> too old, too yeah. old. Yes. 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 My heart just grew three sizes. <laughs> but they, they just, you know, he's a flirt. They're yep. talking about fruit. He says he's good at choosing. He brags about all the different skills he has. Mm-hmm. And Mary's like, well, I'm betrothed. And Joseph doesn't seem to care. Well, spoiler alert, turns out to be Joseph. She doesn't know this yet. Right. And, uh, to get away from his uh, braggadocious nature, Mary shoves a piece of fruit in his mouth that he was juggling and she hurries away and when joseph goes to hurry after her uh fate gets in the way and brays at him and uh spooks him <laughs> off a bit he's not a fan of donkeys and this is where we switch our perspective 
to Julia's favorite character. Oh my gosh. And we meet King Herod in Jerusalem. With like the, the most distracting ab armor I've ever seen. I hated movie. the armor. I hated the armor. This was... reminded me of a certain <sighs> Batman. Yes, yes, it's like George Clooney. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he's standing there in the armor, which looks like a bare chest. And I'm just like, why don't you just put Antonio Banderas in the bare half his shirt off? Because he's know. a chiseled guy. Um, oh my gosh. But he's admiring his crown in a mirror, and he seems like <laughs> drunk, both metaphorically and literally, on power. Yeah. And uh his son, Antipater, returns from Rome and informs him that Caesar Augustus uh, needs a census done uh, throughout the Roman Empire, and all citizens have to return to their ancestral village for the census. Um, but Herod doesn't seem too worried about it, you know. Mm-mm. He's like, uh, you don't want to upset the people, and Antipater's like, you kind of already do that, and this leads him to... Uh, Herod saying, you have no idea what it's like to be king. And then he sings a call- song called, It's Good to Be King. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is literally all the <laughs> awesome yet evil things he gets to do with his power. As he's mm-hmm. going through the castle and staring down at his awful, at his tortured people and Banderas is hamming it up. Like this dude is, is like it's in a awful. whole different movie than everyone else. It is awful. It is awful. He, at some awful, point, it says, awful, "Kiss the awful. ring, baby." <laughs> yeah, some girls he does on say the that. street. I'm like, bless <laughs> it all. I will say, I didn't love the song. Um, I think mostly because of his performance. But as far as the lyrics are concerned, I like the juxtaposition they do, where he's singing, "Mine is the kingdom, mine is the glory forevermore," which is um, that's what song is that from? It's from scripture, right? It's the yeah, the Lord's Prayer. But it's in is it something we used to sing in the United Methodist Church, I swear. Like a little mini well, hymn or something. Anyway, I appreciated that. It was like I that's thoughtful lyricism. He was over the top and was singing about being a villain, and I was like, Man, I miss these Disney villain songs. Yeah, he is a Disney <laughs> villain. Go on, Tom. Oh, nothing. I was just going to say it was, yeah, he was just, I don't know the song. I was going to see, but I know it's the Christ's end to the uh, concluding of uh, in the Methenian Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. So we cut to later that night Mm -hmm. and Joseph and his parents, Jacob and Raquel, arrive at Mary's home for a betrothal, for the betrothal ceremony. Um, and Mary's father's laying it on thick about how happy he and his family are for the upcoming union. Uh, meanwhile, Mary is getting like her makeup done by her mom, and she's despondent. And she's like, mm-hmm. why make any plans at all in life if everything is decided for you? And her mom's like, sometimes God's plans are bigger than you can imagine. You must let your faith guide you. And Mary's like, I wish I had your faith. And mom replies, you do. Dad spent so much time on scriptures with you because you saw how strong, he saw how strong your faith was and knew you were special. I like that. It's a nice conversation. Mm -hmm. Nice mother-daughter moment. Even though her mom proceeds to completely lose her faith in about (laughs) 
ten minutes. minutes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, but I did kidding. like this. I did like this conversation on stage, though. Yeah, I liked it too. Um, and of course, Mary has a little. Uh, Guess who's coming to dinner? Solo here called "Brand New Life." It's a catchy song, and when she walks out. For the ceremony <gasps> surprise the guy from the market the same flirty man is her betrothed joseph and they're both shocked shocked to see she's one irritated she is here why is she irritated julia because he was betrothed as well but was he tried to cheat her. on her with her exactly <laughs> that's right <laughs> and she has every right to be yeah. And I, I I liked that though, honestly. I liked that we got to see Joseph very awkward and inexperienced in making mistakes because it leaves space for him to grow into the man that Well, that's why I liked where Mary. Mary's where Mary starts out too. Well, she does right. become more humble as the movie goes on when she yeah. is given this blessing. Right. Um the Mary storms off and her mom's Tells Joseph you should go after her. And there's this little fight, and then they have this kind of duet they sing together called Can We Make This Work? Mm -hmm. um, where they sing about how neither of them wanted this. You know, Mary wanted to be a teacher. He wants to be this carpenter. He has so many ideas that will change the world. And it's basically a song about how could their marriage work and not get hurt when they want such different lives. And mm -hmm. it's all about their doubt and everything. And uh, yeah. Is it? But mm -hmm. it could all be part of God's plan. It was a good song. I mm -hmm. like this song. They both have yeah. great voices. Yeah, they both sounded great. And I think their chemistry is really good too. For sure, I do too. They do have chemistry. Tom, I can't wait to see your um, when you become an A-list director and you cast like the really old guy, the twelve-year-old girl, and then they sing a version of the song that you wrote. <laughs> 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 That's funny. Well, this historically accurate stuff is gross to watch. <laughs> you, you, you're getting Zack Snyder be. to direct, right? Who else? Who else could possibly direct it? <laughs> um. So Mary and Joseph essentially come to an agreement. They're going to go through with the betrothal ceremony because they're, you know, as just some of the song, you know, maybe it could work. You know, maybe God mm -hmm. has a plan and whatever. Um. That night. Mary has a visitor as she's sleeping. Yes. Gabriel. It's Lecrae. It's, and he is, and I know he's beautiful. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a <laughs> chance to rant here in a second, Tom. <laughs> because I know exact I have words. I, you know what, Tom? Describe this. He scene. wasn't terrifying you, to you. <laughs> you describe the scene, Tom. We see a bright light. Cool. Then there's some sort of faux dragon scale armor mm. on a dude. I don't know. I don't understand the outfit. It looked awful. Is this where he was? Is this where he was weirdly like nervous? Apprehensive? Yeah. Yeah. He's yes. nervous. He's yeah, talking like, get to it together, himself. Gabriel. You're Gabriel. Come on. He was talking himself up. And he had yeah. airbender makeup too. He did have airbender <laughs> makeup. He's very um Clarence from It's a Wonderful Life here. Kind of he like is. A, um only he didn't seem as drunk as Clarence does. Well, no. <laughs> Which is good. I mean, so... But it felt wrong to me. 
I agree with you. I wish the scene was played more seriously, but devil's advocate here. If I'm the director and I'm writing this movie, because he also co-wrote this movie, I'm like, well, this is probably the biggest news this angel has ever or will ever deliver. He might be a little nervous about getting it right, his delivery. So I appreciate I mean, we are, the, the choice. We, we do say this is the greatest story ever told. So it was a pretty big role for him. <laughs> Um, him hitting he, his head on, yeah I was about to say he even hits his head in the like, doorway when he goes that into the bedroom unnecessary. that was unnecessary but uh, Mary's a sleeper so it takes him a few it takes him actually magically amplifying his voice to wake her up mm-hmm. and uh, I like that which was how has, they did the scary element yeah, yeah. But I've, I've also liked that they made Mary so that's like a very teenage college age girl thing you sleep through everything <laughs> <laughs> um and he informs her, God has chosen her to have a son. He'll be the son of God, called Jesus, and called the king of all kings. Mm-hmm. And Mary's like, mm, that's impossible. And Gabriel's like, nothing's impossible with God's will. Mm-hmm. Mary replies, but I'm not worthy. And Gabriel informs her, you're more blessed than any other woman. Mary is afraid no one's going to believe her. And Joseph won't marry her. And Gabriel's like, you are to be the mother of a savior and a king. You cower before no one. Mm-hmm. Which, that'll come back. That's Chekhov's uh, piece of wisdom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he leaves the breadcrumb of, even now Elizabeth has a baby in her belly. Yes. Even in her old age. Old. Yep. Um, now Mary is not the only one who kind of gets assigned this night. Because we cut back to Herod. And he wakes yeah. up really sweaty and sickly, like he's been How having a nightmare. How is his makeup not running? I don't know. The level of mascara he has the on level and it of... not running. Right? It's impressive. It's but impressive. he wakes up, but he does wake up and he looks sick and bothered and he stares out the window and he does notice the star in the sky and he mm-hmm. seems concerned by it. Right. Interesting scene. Interesting. What a choice. His choice. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> I did not like. Did y'all like Mary's song? Which one? The one after. Lecrae's. Oh, the one she's about to sing when she goes on her way to visit to go stay with Elizabeth. After her parents don't believe her, yeah. I don't remember it. Exactly. It should have no. been a more powerful song. I like the lyrics, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first. Mary wakes up and tells her family the big news, Julia, and how do they react? They are not happy that she is knocked up with the son of God. In fact, they they're like, uh, that's just a dream. Like, calm yourself, please. You're fine. Well, mom she's like, does no, say for a second, what if she's telling <laughs> Yeah, but then dad is just like, uh, we'll put the kibosh on that. Absolutely not. Um, you're gonna go to your not aunt's house. Well, no, they're like, he's like, we will pray on this. In the meantime, don't tell a soul. And it immediately cuts to her at Joseph's house, (laughs) begging him to believe her. And Joseph is like, it sounds insane to him. Insane to him. Uh, He thinks she made it. Also. Yeah, he thinks she made it up because she doesn't want to marry him. Mm -hmm. And his parents are like, you're not going to sully our boy's name like this mm-hmm. so yep the marriage is well, off 
and leave and don't come back. And Mary's in tears at this point. She's like, Joseph, just come take a walk with me. And uh, he does not. Won't do it. You know, this drama that they introduced here, mm. it made sense. It's a little more theatric, you know, especially considering Joseph's parents were were, were long dead by the time this happened. Um, but the way this plays out, uh, it it feels it it feels a lot more believable than other parts of the movie to me. Mm-hmm. Oh man, if I thought about it a few months ago, I would have said, "Please don't see this in theaters." That's our first time be a live watch with the three of us. <laughs> oh my gosh, that would have been like the best live watch ever. <laughs> we have to keep pausing, y'all. I'm gonna get. I'm going to get a negative review after this, aren't I? Like, we're going to get <laughs> negative reviews saying that I'm the worst and how the podcast would be great without Tom. No. No comment. No comment. You know we are. You know it, Anthony. <laughs> Tom's going to open the podcast app and see a review by Anthony C929. <laughs> <laughs> I used to like this podcast, but now this guy, no. <laughs> um... So to your point, Mary sends Mary's parents decide to send her off to live with Elizabeth, mm-hmm. her cousin, in Hebron, another mm-hmm. town. And as she packs up and makes her journey to the house, uh, Mary sings Mother, a Savior, and a King. Um, and the lyrics, I like the lyrics. Um, generally, you're right, Tom. That song should be more memorable, but I feel this way about all musicals, the slower songs for me, are always mm. less memorable. But she sings about being a poor, simple virgin who can't offer anything, but now she's a mother of a savior and a king, and she sings about how she needs God now more than ever, and how can she carry his son when she needs God to carry her. Mm-hmm. So I liked the sentiment of the song, even if the song itself wasn't memorable, to your point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her, she's struggling with what this means which also seems like it would make sense mm-hmm. yeah i like when she comes up on elizabeth's house and elizabeth comes out and you don't see elizabeth from the waist down yet but you see mary fall on her knees and put her hands on elizabeth's belly and that was like one of the most beautiful parts of the whole movie to me because mm-hmm. she that's when she was like confirmation like holy crap balls like this is for real because you know that's exactly what mary said when she saw elizabeth's belly <laughs> sorry uh, but i loved that so you know much. what you know what i love and tom maybe you could talk about how realistic this is what if you are a 70 year old man and you think you're finally done with child rearing and then your wife is pregnant would you also go mute in shock like you just don't <laughs> <talk anymore? laughs> uh wait he speaking of incense he was in the altar of incense when the mm-hmm. angels spoke to him and he had doubt and they took his his yeah, he lost no his more. ability to speak <laughs> until he was born. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Do you know how elated my wife would be if I lost my ability <laughs> for six months? No, Elizabeth wasn't hating it, which I appreciated the throwaway <laughs> comment that she's like, it was actually a gift. <laughs> she was she was funny. Do you know how like Elizabeth in the Bible? <laughs> How much our listeners would love it if that happened to you? Maybe that's what we should do next time one of us can't make it. We'll say, well, Angel appeared, went mute. He's here. <laughs> um, Mary is expressing some of her concerns to Elizabeth, and she's... Elizabeth 
is very a very calming presence for her. She's very wise, and she insists that you were chosen for a reason, and one day you'll understand. And patience is a good companion for faith. Okay. And I like that. And I like that Mary kind of acknowledged, too, that that's not really her strong suit, because ain't mine either. <laughs> um, and then we check back in with Tom's favorite characters in this film, the Magi. Frivolous. Just frivolous. They're, they're tent set up, though. Mm. That's my idea of what camping should be like. Yes. <laughs> it's like the yeah, Weasley's 100%. tent at the Quidditch World Cup. <laughs> it is. Yeah, that's a good point. It really is. Uh, they've arrived in Judah. They want to meet with the king, who will have scrolls about the soon-to-be-born king. And uh, Melchior, who really likes his food, just wants dates. It's date season. Date season. Hungry. Yeah, man. <laughs> um, and he said, when they give him trouble, when they give him a hard time about that, just concentrate on that. He's like, "You fools! It's date season. You get your scrolls. I get my dates. We must go to Jerusalem and see King Herod." So I found I, I didn't laugh. I didn't think the Magi were funny. I found myself like never laughing with them and not even laughing at them. I just thought they were like too frivolous. However, there was one point I really appreciated and it's when he's criticizing that camel. Like there's gotta be a better way to travel. And like the kid, the look on that camel's face, like excellent acting by the camel, by the way, because he's got like some major side where he's like, is this guy for real? And that made me laugh. <laughs> but. So they set off to see Herod. And then we check back in with Joseph and his parents are like, you've done nothing wrong because Joseph clearly feels bad. He thinks he did something wrong sending Mary away and he wants to believe her. Mm-hmm. His parents are like, you did nothing wrong. And we've ended your engagement, don't worry. And uh, we know you're in a really rough place right now, but we're heading back to Bethlehem. So see you later, guy. Peace out. <laughs> Have fun dealing with this all on your own. Um, I like this song between the two Josephs. I like this one a lot. Yes. Actually. So tell it's... us about Joseph's dream and this song. Yeah. So he, oh gosh, I had it up here and then. I lost it. It's called. Is it the ultimate deception? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we see him in uh, a dark hood with a stone and he's standing in front of Mary. It's very stylized and beautiful. She's in a red um, cloak sort of thing. Her face is obscured and it's red. Um, So we've got color imagery here, which is wonderful. And I'm digging every bit of it. So we have um, the song starts and the singing starts. And that's when you see that Joseph is in this dark cloak uh, with a stone. But you also have Joseph in this white cloak. Um, So it's the warring parts of him inside, right? Like the dark cloaked one, like doesn't believe her. And well, how will this look on me? And how will this ruin my life and all this stuff? While the white cloaked one is like, I really want to believe her. Like, I think I believe her. And so they end up physically fighting as well while they're fighting with the lyrics and um, the Romans. It ends up with, yeah, you've got the crowd around him that's cheering for the dark cloaked Joseph. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got the masses and how that affects our opinions on a day to day basis, um, which I liked. And then we end up with the white cloaked Joseph and the stone in his hand and he drops it. 
Um, and I really liked this. I thought that it was a cool way to represent how he was the inner turmoil. I really liked it Me too. too. Well, in the I liked the allusion to the mm-hmm. story of Christ, where he t- says, "Let him who has no sin cast the first stone." Like mm-hmm. Joseph won't bring himself even in his dream to cast a stone, and I liked that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did too. Yep. And of course, the dream ends with Gabriel's voice saying, "Mary needs you, and go to her now." He doesn't get to see Gabriel; he just oh. hears him. Mm-hmm. So. We check in with Herod again after this, and he's looking sicklier and sicklier. Like the white makeup. Is this the, the pale... uh, is this the do I look pale to you? Yes, but okay. when he first wakes up in bed, so he he has this really creepy like lion throne. Yeah, and he does. When he, wa- he when he wakes up in the bed, he looks over and he sees like a flash of Mary in that red outfit Joseph just dreamed of her like in the Uh mouth of the lion and the lion's eyes glowing, which is Mm -hmm. very devil imagery and everything and I thought it was cool imagery for sure especially Mm because he's a villain Um, but his jolly demeanor is on the way out, he's just more impatient now at this point and Mm -hmm. uh who arrives He's on the way out. <laughs> who arrives to speak with him? Uh the Magi. The Magi come. Yep. And they claim they're mm-hmm. experts in reading the stars. Yes. But they're also like like 100% kowtowing to Herod. Yes. Which it, okay, so I was I was going to ask you you didn't like that choice judging from your face. I don't I thought, like that choice. Although okay. I think they were scared of him. I think that's real. I, and I get I that. think they were scared of him. And I also think they were playing it smart because when they're alone in another scene or two and they realize where Mary is, they were like, well, we mm-hmm. have to get to her before him. So I think they know he can't be trusted. So I think part right. of it is right. you know, stroking his ego. I liked how the star did it better than how they did it here. The animated where one? they were, I did, where they were cautious, mm-hmm. like they knew what they needed. They stroked his ego enough to stay safe and fly under the radar, mm-hmm. but they didn't like bow to him. And like, I don't, I don't like how they used gold frankincense and myrrh to <laughs> woo Herod. I hated that. I loved um, that. I did not like that. Well, because that felt, that was like one of those things, right? With the subject matter, that felt like very dismissive of the power of those gifts and who they were right. intended for. And I did not like that at all. And their well, song I... was dumb. But you know what their song made me think of? Um, You remember Prince of Egypt, the uh, Steve Martin? Yes, and... yes. Why yeah. did it make, did it make you think of that too? Yes, it did. But just much less good. <laughs> that song but is so good in Prince of Egypt. I'm, I want to piggyback off something Julia said, and I like how the star <laughs> did almost everything it did better than this one. <laughs> I like how Herod wasn't charmed by the gifts. Like, it's almost like, I get why you don't like Julia. They were using the gifts to try to charm him. But I like yeah. how it's almost like the power of the gifts and God, like, they didn't, were not able to charm Herod with the gifts. Because he is a bad person if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. I, I agree with that. I don't think Herod 
I don't, I would, I don't agree with any um, representation of Herod with him being stupid in any way that you'd be right. able to hoodwink him at all. I don't think he was hoodwinkable. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I didn't mind that. Uh, but boy, I really didn't like them giving yeah, Herod. You must have, you did since you, you, since you don't like the wise men, you must have loved the moment when they first came in and Herod remarks that they look more like circus people than kings. <laughs> <laughs> but their look was great i just don't like how frivolous they are and i do i do like i i actually this is my favorite scene with herod because he is the least uh flamboyantly over the top in this scene and yeah, he specifically says to them why would i help you find another king in my kingdom to worship mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. he just doesn't get it and he's like if she's going to be born to a humble mother like where is she like you guys mm -hmm. make no sense um yeah. when the when the magi leaves uh Andy potter comes he's in. like what we're we gonna do what we're we gonna do yeah and yeah, there's a king Her coming what, what's up and herod's yeah. like well we can't rome can't find out about this other king so go search village to village yeah Maybe kill every pregnant woman it won't be hard to find a pregnant woman claiming to be pregnant with the Hebrew God. He's not at the mm -hmm. point where he's like, kill them all yet. He's just like, find no. the one saying, hey, I have the Hebrew God in me. Um, it does seem like it'd be easy to find <laughs> that person. Well, that didn't, feel like, that didn't feel like a hard thing to do. <clears throat> Which is when... You know what? Yeah, sorry, Julie, go on. No, you go ahead, because mine will come after what you're about to say, probably. No, 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 go on. Well, I think it's at the end of the 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 part that you're about to talk about. Okay. Mine's just okay. like a little throwaway thing. So, Antipater and his men arrive. Elizabeth's, yes, we're in the same order here. Oh, never mind. Mine comes first. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So, there is a moment <laughs> I couldn't remember. I didn't know where you were going. I thought it was when they were talking. Um, there is a moment after Herod sends Antipater away, right, to go like make it right, like do the things, make it right, find the girl. Um, he turns around and he's scared by that massive lion throne mm -hmm. and yep. he's in the background. So it's a very quiet moment, but I kind of love that because it's like the lion is the lion of Judah and it scared him, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. just, I was like, that's smart. I picked up on that. It reminded like, me too of, okay. um, for the more pop culture people out there, Aslan and the Lion, the Witch, and the Rose Robe. Aslan yeah. was the embodiment of God. The lion was, you know, yeah. so yeah. I Wait, what? I know, shocker. <laughs> Go watch that movie again. <clears throat> okay, so I'm disappointed. Now. I am disappointed now. <laughs> the answer should have been go read that book, Anthony. Yeah, well, <laughs> that movie was fantastic. That um, movie was fantastic. I can't wait for the series. Yeah, I know, mm -hmm. especially with Greta Gerwig too. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um. So, Anti Potter and his men arrive at Elizabeth's house, and. She and her husband go to talk to them, and Mary is about to go out and talk to them as well when <gasps> Joseph is there. He has shown up, and he stops her, claiming that the men are after her, and it's not safe. Mm -hmm. And they hide in the barn as Antipater and his men search the house for Mary. They then go into the barn, but it's empty apart from Fig. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, it's because they hid in the bale of hay. Mm -hmm. Bales yep. of hay. So um, after they leave, Joseph informs Mary that he's not just there because he had a dream, 
although that's part of it. Um, but he also realized he's supposed to be with her. And he informs her, you're in danger. And Mary is the one who deduces Herod must know the prophecy and her desire and desires her child. Mm-hmm. Um, so she decides to marry Joseph so that he can claim the child as his own. Mm-hmm. And she says, I can't wait. We have to do it now. And mm-hmm. I like that she asked him to marry her. I really yeah, like that. Never yep. would have happened. <laughs> <laughs> I like the song, uh, Can We Become We? Yeah, I like that song too, a lot. It's super sweet. I really liked it. It was and both beautiful to watch and it was beautiful to listen to. Yeah, and it's about, you know, two people becoming one in a marriage while still keeping mm-hmm. their individual hopes and dreams and how both people are supposed to prop each other up and everything like that. And I love mm-hmm. that. I liked it too. Um, and I love that her Elizabeth's husband marries him. Yeah. <laughs> in all of his mute glory. That was cute. It was cute. Speaking of cute, we check back in with the Magi. And uh, <laughs> they're still at Herod's palace. Some time has passed at this point. They're going through, they've been going through scrolls for a very long time. To the point Herod and Antipater are both becoming impatient. Mm-hmm. Antipater doesn't understand the obsession with the pregnant peasant. And uh, the Magi say something like that they're searching for the meaning, truth, and the, the meaning of life and truth or something like that. And Antipater informs them that they're kings. They're meant to be worshipped. And they reply, well, meaning comes from what we do to others, do for others, not what others do for us. And they say, king or peasant, one day we will all bend the knee. And Antipater's just like, just find this woman as soon as possible. And privately, the Magi are like, crap, well, we know where she's going to be. She's going to be in Bethlehem when she has a child, but we can't let Herod or his men know that. So they sneak off in the middle of the night, essentially. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, Antipater, however, deduces where they went. And tells Herod he will go after them. And that's when Herod, Julia, to your point, says, well, kill every pregnant woman you find. Don't leave it up to chance. And Antipater is a bit hesitant to do so. He's like, I don't think that's necessary. And what does he suggest instead? Um, The census. Let's use the census to make this happen. Let's use the census. Everyone has to return to their place of birth. Always comes down to the census. Mm Mm-hmm. It's down to some government construct of how to count their people. <laughs> um, yeah, he says, allow uh, soldiers to search every home and count every head. What? Herod didn't initiate the census. No, no, no but he's like, from the beginning, he's like freaking a Caesar wants a effing census. Yep. Let's make it happen for us. Let's use yeah, it to so our he's like, Let's use it to our advantage here. Yeah. Um, so he says the woman will be found that way and at the same time they'll appease Rome and Herod says sure that's fine but if you don't find her kill every pregnant woman and prove to me that you could be a true king this is where we get Antipater's song about in my blood mm-hmm. where how he grew up worshipping his dad um, mm-hmm. and wanting to grow up to be him but now he's not sure he wants to be that kind of man that kind of king yeah. and he's confused about himself and uh yes yeah, so what did you think of this song and this characterization? 
all of like the staff stuff reminded me of Durmstrang coming in with their sparkly <laughs> staff into the great hall. I like it. But um, I mean, his, his voice is beautiful. Um, I actually like the King and Country Christmas album. It's quite good. Um, yeah, it but is. it's an intense song for sure. So I definitely didn't hate it, but it's not one that I could even tell you what it sounded like now. You know yeah. what I mean? So it was good. Wait, I mean, so... he's been a character the whole time that you're like, you're struggling because your dad is like literally the worst person ever. <laughs> Have we gotten to your favorite song yet? You haven't said. Me? Yeah, because oh, I said what We Become Wee's my favorite. Okay. We Become Wee's my favorite. It was Tom the end credit song? I don't think Tom said he had a favorite song. I didn't have a favorite I figured song. the probably. end credit song of the movie. Probably the... <laughs> probably the O Come O Come Emmanuel at the beginning. Hmm. So we switch back to Mary and Joseph. They're living together in Nazareth, and they're clearly properly falling in love with one another now. And I yes. thought this scene was very cute. He made her stew, and Mary jokes that he made a big mistake because now she knows he can cook, and she'll expect it all the time. Uh, yeah, girl knows what's up. <laughs> I love thinking about Joseph cooking. Thank you very much. She even remarks that Fig is starting to like to uh, like lighten up to warm up to Joseph. Warm up mm-hmm. to him. That's it. Uh, but <gasps> soldiers arrive and order them back to Bethlehem to be counted for the census. Like this Roman soldier is just really obnoxious. I was a theater kid in high school. He reminded me of the kid who got one featured role, like five yeah. lines, and hammed it right. up. Made the yeah, most yeah. Of it. He was a total overactor. Yeah. Well, we'll be back in the morning to make sure you're not here. Yep. And then like he yeah. flips his cape and leaves. I mean, it was like this guy. <laughs> yeah, because Joseph is like, you can't expect, look at my wife, she's pregnant. You can't expect us to travel in this condition. And he's like, no exceptions for pregnant women or she can have her baby in the dungeon. Mm, yeah. Like, <laughs> So Mary, Joseph, and Fig do begin their journey to Bethlehem. And it's kind of like a montage of them traveling through the rough landscape and the desert and everything. Mm-hmm. And- Mm-hmm. You know, I'm thinking Rankin Bass with Nestor and his long ears wrapping his ears around Mary against a sandstorm, but uh, <laughs> Fig, is st- Fig is still very good to her in this movie, so I'll allow it. Mm-hmm. But they arrive at the town's gates, and it's to find Herod soldiers, including Antipater, checking every person entering, uh, checking pregnant women. And of course, right in line, Mary starts going into early labor. Right. Of course. They realize, of course, Bethlehem isn't safe, but they can't go back. So right. Joseph begins panicking. Mary gives him a sharp... She, I like how assertive she is here. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. the only one who was chosen for this. So you gotta get your crap together. That's right. I really like get that. crap together, Joe. Come on. And it does. It brings him back to his senses, and he remembers another uh, way through town. And it's a that tunnel. Back way in. That's right. Through a tunnel, and he's like, but you're not gonna fit. No, he says like, Fig's not going to fit. Ex- oh, Fig's not going to Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Because when I first heard it, I was like, that joke? Seriously? <laughs> and, then I, and then I listened. It was Fig. And she was. she's like, he'll find me. He'll find me. He always does. She's like not worried about him at all. No, they were joking, he's such a good they were joking, boy. They were joking about her fat ass. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> what they were joking about. <laughs> Hey, iTunes, if you're well listening, we're, we're, we've referred to donkeys twice this episode, so you can't That's mark correct. us with explicit. No, you can't. That word is in the Bible. 
<laughs> so as they start going through the tunnel, we get like a cutaway scene of the Magi and Shepard staring up at the star in the sky, which is shining mm-hmm. brighter than ever. And they realize that tonight's the night, like Dexter always used to say before he killed somebody on that show. And uh, okay. <laughs> weird, weird, same. Okay, unexpected Dexter. <laughs> uh, but they realize the son of God is going to be born tonight. And I do like the I did like this joke. They realize they have to clean up because they smell like sheep dung, <laughs> living and traveling with sheep for so long. So Mary and Joseph are in Bethlehem. It's nighttime. She's in labor. Uh, Joseph attempts to take her to his parents' house, but there are guards all over the city. So they're in he, France and they're renovating. So they wait. <laughs> that's not the right <laughs> So he starts looking for an inn or a home to provide a safe space for her, for mm-hmm. him and, and we Mary. Get a bunch of people going, you can't sleep here. You can't sleep here. There's no room here. <laughs> and uh, Mary, meanwhile, is just sitting on a stone, like really going to labor. And a soldier hears her labored breathing and starts making his way down the dark alley to her. But... <gasps> There's a loud neigh, and Fig shows up and knocks the guy out. And I loved it. I, I'm sorry, I know it's stupid, but I loved Fig. I thought it was adorable. And I like the idea of him having a loyal companion pet. Yeah. And knocking so. out a Roman soldier. Yeah, he was efficient. He was efficient. So, Joseph does not find a cave. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Tom. Nope. Nope. What does he find? He find he time travels. <laughs> what? <laughs> Did they he not have travels. barns back then? Did they not have what? Barns? No. Okay. Not wooden barns. It looked like that. <laughs> well, we find an old barn for Mary to give birth in, and the two of them with Fig and Toe head there, where Joseph makes up a makeshift bed for Mary to lie on and give birth. Mm-hmm. Then we get this beautiful montage. Um, it's like a Christmas melody. You get Silent Night and Oh Holy Night and O Come O Come Emmanuel. And the music's mm-hmm. beautiful. And nice. the scenery is beautiful. And the stars shining bright. And Mary's giving birth with Joseph holding her hand and coaching her through it. And Fig is pacing back and forth outside. He is. He's pacing He's back so and... nervous for her. He wants his Mary back. <laughs> I don't care what movie it is. Like, even in the star, I get emotional at this scene. Mm-hmm. in any depiction yeah regardless of if it's a historically inaccurate barn or proper cave the star had a barn too <laughs> um and the magi and the shepherds are staring up at the sky in awe and gabriel and a whole host of god's angels appear and gabriel says and it looks like a vegas show it does i was but like oh i love the music so much i and i thought yeah he says, Behold, my favorite song Mm-hmm. He says, Behold, they shall call Emmanuel, God with us. Mm-hmm. And the song transitions to Oh Holy Night. And the star, man, that thing shines so bright. You can see it in all the towns, all the kingdoms. It like blinds everyone. No, not just those shepherds enjoying nope. this. It's like literally every single person. Mar- Mary's family, like Joseph's family, Herod, uh, all the soldiers. <laughs> Big even looks up at it. There's a random sheep we see galloping through the meadow at this point toward, toward Bethlehem. Right. <laughs> every heavenly host appears to everybody. everybody. And every and pe- not only that, but people start beginning beginning to fall to their knees uh-huh. everywhere. Yeah, they, yeah, 
And yeah, I mean, I like this scene. I thought the scene was beautiful in general, this whole montage here. And lo and behold, Jesus is born. And Mary and Joseph and Fig are all totally in love with him. And the Magi and the Shepherds show up, and there's the beautiful nativity scene inside the barn as it begins snowing outside. And it's our traditional scene, but <gasps> who shows up now? Antipasta shows up. Antipasta, antipasta shows up. <laughs> <laughs> and Joseph steps between them, mm-hmm. and him and the Magi and says, The child's no threat to Herod. Um, but then Mary remembers what Gabriel told her earlier in the movie to cower, mm-hmm. you cower before no one. And she stands up to face, face Auntie Potter on her own. And she informs him that her baby doesn't want Herod's throne and has come to save the lost. Uh, she says, like sheep, we've all gone astray. And God's put on him punishment for all the evil we've done. And Auntie Potter's like, I know your scriptures. And he doesn't believe Mary's child is the chosen one. But Mary replies, I think you know exactly who he is. And he says, I envy your faith. And Mary says, faith is trusting your heart, in your heart, what you know to be true. Mm-hmm. And I like the whole back and forth again about faith. And I like everything Mary said in the scene. And mm-hmm. Andy Potter stares down at the baby. It has a literal come to Jesus moment. He has to see the baby and then has a mental come to Jesus moment. And mm-hmm. uh, as he's staring down at him, Mary's like, you're not your father. And uh, yeah, sure enough, Antipater turns around to the soldiers. They're under my protection now because they're no threat to a true king. And uh, he leaves them in peace after warning them, you have to leave Judea because my father will never rest until. Well, and he tells his soldiers to lead them out to protect yep. him and lead him out safely. Charles, yep. I don't think happened. He says, when my father hears of this, I can't protect you. And before leaving, he asks, what's his name? And Mary replies, Jesus. And mm-hmm. Andy Potter gives a small bow and leaves. I like that scene. You know, for a movie that... So, for a story where you know what happens, like, you know, Jesus is going to grow up to be... You know, they did a good job, I think, of creating enough tension you know they had to have a climactic scene they did a fine enough job with it i liked it mm-hmm. correct me if i'm wrong oh well, that's my favorite activity <laughs> i don't remember in the bible the magi coming to see mary in the stable Mm-mm. i, I forgive was... it that's an every I nativity believe... set i know out but in i the believe world. the word and i criticize it every time the word was they saw her in a house Okay, that's fair, but I'm going to give them a pass, because as far as I remember, it's been in every single damn nativity set (laughs) that they've sold for decades now. What makes the nativity sets damned, Anthony? (laughs) I knew the minute you said it. (laughs) I saw Julia's face. She really did. Like, it was immediate. She's like, oh, great. (laughs) (laughs) So the next morning, Mary, Joseph, Jesus, and Fig are getting ready to set off for Egypt, knowing mm-hmm. they won't be safe at home in as long as Herod is alive. And this is where I think Julia and Tom, I think, Tom, you said you wanted to come to this moment from the very beginning. The Magi uh, give their gifts. Oh, no, it was just the gifts in general and how weird they were. But even here, everybody's like, huh, I don't understand why they're getting these gifts. Me, me, me. 
<laughs> I didn't love and it. I and I assume Julia, this is another moment that could have done with more gravitas and they're handing over these gifts to them. Yeah, I mean, I think they could have gone a lot sillier, given how silly the Magi are in the rest of the movie. I was happy that they weren't as silly here. Yeah. But I'm still burned from them giving them to Herod first. So I was like, it's a, it's, attempting they just like re-gifted. To, attempting. They re- no, they re-gifted those gifts. <laughs> Yeah, um, just because back. just because he rejected it doesn't mean they didn't give it. <laughs> so as they all set off, uh, Mary and Joseph are so cute together in the scene. Mary gives him a romantic, real kiss for the first time. Yeah, I, it's adorable. Sweet. It's adorable. Gross. I like. And it. then she she even says, "You're welcome," which is a callback mm-hmm. to earlier in the film. <laughs> and uh, you know, as they travel off, as the cart rolls into the ditch, and she puts her head on his shoulder. I loved I loved the two of them. The two of them carried the movie for me. They're the best parts of the movie for me, by far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, then we get the closing narration, and we find out it's Mary and Joseph talking to a toddler version of Jesus. <laughs> and Mary's saying, and as her new family made their way, she knew that her mother had been right. God's plans for her were bigger than she could have ever imagined. Mm-hmm. And Joseph says, that's not the way I, I remember it. Channeling some Tom energy here. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then he informs uh, little toddler Jesus, one more scripture, then off to bed. And uh, the movie ends with one last title card. While taking some creative license, the filmmakers strive to remain true to the message of the greatest story ever told. Right. The end. They did have disclaimers. They did. Beginning and end. So yes. Beginning and end. They fully admitted they were taking creative license, but I also do think they succeeded in remaining true to the message. So I think they did. Yes. They did remain true to the message. And that is Journey to Bethlehem. (laughs) I roll from Tom's like, yes. I didn't didn't say anything. I didn't say anything negative. Julia, if we thought ahead, we could have done this recording on like a Saturday night and played like a drinking game every time Tom like (laughs) (laughs) corrected some some historical inaccuracy or rolled his eyes. You came up in the holdovers episode last week for that same thing, you know? Oh, for being a pedant? No, I didn't call you a pedant. I just said, this is clearly Tom sitting at the bar ah! telling the santa how he's historically inaccurate <laughs> I, I, i'm not gonna lie i don't hate that <laughs> well no we didn't hate it either no i don't hate that that co- that comparison at all <laughs> well, right well, there were there were elements of walleye that i'm like this is so tom that makes me happy yeah so is this a christmas movie Obviously, obviously. There was no Christmas tree. There were no <laughs> lights. And there was I didn't snow, see and there was Christmas music. <laughs> uh, did it have a Linus moment? I mean, it has a, like a Jesus moment. <laughs> I don't know what to call that. And then it did, yeah, it's, it's Christmas. It feels, it, it feels wrong to take a story like the birth of Christ and talk about a Linus moment. 
Yeah. It's coming full circle. Let's just call it full circle. Had the full circle. Literally exactly what Linus (laughs) what Linus mentions. Um okay, so I'm gonna do something different now. Favorite uh oh aspect of the movie. And least favorite aspect of the movie. I think I know, but big favorite. (laughs) Least favorite, most everything else. Uh, favorite, the Mary and Joseph relationship and how they expanded on it. Least favorite is a dead heat tie between Herod and the Magi. Oh my gosh. Herod was the worst. Like, I don't know what. Uh, it seems like a waste to have somebody like Antonio Banderas doing this. Doesn't it? I mean, he was so good in Zorro. For me... Favorite, Julia, I agree with you. Mary and Joseph's relationship. Specifically Mary. I like how they fleshed her out, made her a little more independent and feisty and gave her personality. I really like I really like the actress who played her a lot. Like she did a really great job. Mm-hmm. Um least favorite aspect. I really like this film, but least favorite's Herod. Herod. So Tom, tell us about how you're going to watch this every Christmas. No, no. <laughs> if this was on TV again, would you watch it, Julia? Like, would you change the channel if it came across it during the Christmas season on TV? I would if there's something better on. Uh, but if there wasn't, I don't know that I would change it with haste. Right. Right. Like, oh, get this thing off. But like, if, you know, if one of my, my stalwart movies is on, I'm going to change it to watch that instead. Well, it's my favorite version of the Nativity story on film, so by far, because it's fun and not a drag and not too overly preachy. So, I loved it. (laughs) I love the cast and the music. So, yeah. (laughs) Tom's and your (laughs) No, do the the ranking, because I always love Tom's new ranking randomness ever since. Ooh, I gotta come up with something. I've gotta come up with something good. Um, Julia, how about you? What Tom's thinking. Um, I'm gonna give this four and a half lackluster ab shielded uniform elements with nipples. I'm gonna give this half of a myrrh and a fig dung. <laughs> a fig dung. Oh. I'm gonna give this. One old bright shining Christmas star with Christmas music playing under it that I'm gonna follow into the distance because I loved it. Oh, that's great. See, that says so, so much to me about how you feel about it. I can't tell if that's sarcasm or not. No, it's for real. It really does. <laughs> it means you liked it a
So we did get one comment on social media from our friend Robert Nickerson on Behind the Bells, who, Robert, if nice. you're listening, we are going to have you on this year. Uh, I know you wanted to be on some, some Nicktoon episodes, so we're going to have you on for that later on in the year. And congratulations mm-hmm. on your recent noodles. Yes, definitely. Um, Robert wrote, I went in with low expectations and ended up liking the musical a lot more than I thought I would. Journey to Bethlehem is more of a modern musical video take on the nativity story. Yes, the actors are cast more on their musical ability rather than accuracy, but what do you expect? The songs are meant to be modern, I think, even are even better than Jingle Jangle and Spirited. I don't agree with Spirited, for sure, but I, I could follow you with Jingle Jangle. Um, Journey to Bethlehem, the opening song, is a nice choral piece that reminded me of Circle of Life. Mm-hmm. Here's the part, Julia, that I want your take on. Good to be King may be my favorite new villain song. Take notes, Disney. I'll give him this. Disney hasn't had a good villain song in a long, long time. They need to bring those back. It does have some of the feels of a 90s, you know, a 90s Yeah, where era. they're basically singing, I'm evil and going to kill this person. Yeah. Basically, yeah. It, it reminded me of Scar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then he he ended it with Journey to Bethlehem is probably going to be more for the musical theater crowd, but give it a chance. Mm. Yeah. So thank you, Robert, for um, weighing in. And I will be curious to hear what other people think. Where can they do that, y'all? Whoever wants to take it. They can do that on linktree.com slash tis the podcast, where you can find a link to all of our socials. But the important one you'll want to hang where you'll want to hang out is going to be our Facebook group. That's where we're the most active. Where else can Linktree take us? Uh, to our Patreon site, which has stuff on there that's not always Christmas. Um, there's lots of Halloween content on there, actually, and sometimes just stuff we want to talk about at random. For as little as a dollar a month, it gets you access to all of the content over there. Um, and then higher levels of giving uh, both help us to support the podcast by getting fun new microphones and making things better for you. Um, but they also get you into some extra perks like um, potentially picking a movie and coming on to host with us. If that sounds interesting to you, um, go to that Linktree link, find Patreon and read all about it. Yeah, and there is going to be a new Patreon episode. Maybe not by the time this drops, but definitely the week it drops, if not. Um, I'm having me and my buddy Ken just uh, recording an episode or talking our bottom three movies of last year and our top five movies of last year. So check it out. And me and Kendall Foray of Two Girls, One Crypt, which is Tom's favorite podcast name. Um, she just finished watching Succession for the first time through and she's obsessed with it. And obviously everyone who follows me knows that's like my favorite show like of the past 10 years. So we're going to do an episode on that. So check it out. Next week, travel with us back to the 80s and 90s, 80s and 90s with a movie that somehow came out this year. It is called Urkel Save Santa, the movie. So weird. Then we're going to kick off Romance Month. uh, February, Christmas Romance. So Hallmark, Netflix, that type of stuff. So, yeah, get excited, y'all. And also get excited because we only have 7,944 hours until Christmas. That's 331 days. 
That's 47 weeks. Do your homework, y'all. Watch Urkel Saves Christmas. Mm, nope. Urkel Saves Santa, the movie. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, y'all. Bye.